Hello, and welcome to Buddies Without Borders. My name is Stevie Jackson. I'm an actor, writer, producer in Vancouver, BC. My name is Christopher Royce. I am a podcaster and a writer in San Francisco Bay Area. And we're back. Were we ever away? <laughs> nope. I'm just, I'm happy to be doing this because we had a little bit of a recording break, even though we did not have a release break. So yes, we were secretly, this in a while. <laughs> secretly we were away, but you, the audience, did not notice because we got ahead of it and we recorded in advance. Hollywood Go magic. <laughs> Woohoo. Oh, what's uh, new in, uh, in your world? Um, not so much. Uh, generally, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, the last time we talked, I had not yet had uh, a little road trip, which I have since driven to Portland and back. Mm-hmm. Not in the same day, but in the Thank same Thank goodness, because that's it's a pretty long drive. It's, you know, 11-ish hours, depending yeah. on how good you are and how motivated. Yeah. Like it's, uh, I can drive to Portland faster than you can. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Even including the time in which you acquire your share vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, when I when I've done it, I've done it with a friend in her own car. So we got to cut out that part. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, even even including crossing the border, it is faster to yeah. get to Portland from Vancouver than it is from the Bay Area. Yep. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I was there before the fucking heat dome event. Yeah, you missed that, which uh, I did not, once again, close enough to Portland. (laughs) Yeah, I accidentally was very, like, climate sneaky, and I missed the heat wave when it was in the Bay Area, and then I left Portland, like, days before it turned into the apocalypse. I mean, that's the dream. Mm -hmm. You missed it both times. Yep, without even meaning to. Yeah, it is. It's moved east now, so we are back to... Uh, much more normal temperatures here in the Vancouver area. Yeah, um, we we saw records not just for BC but for Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, farther up in the interior, it got up to forty nine or fifty Celsius. Yeah. Um, for those of you doing the math at home, that's like one hundred and fifteen, hundred and eighteen. Yeah. Um, an entire village burned down called Lytton, BC. We, uh, oh right, yeah, I saw we're that. gonna be okay. Um, yeah, it was it was bad. And here in Vancouver, it was like um, for for the Americans, it was between about 100 and 110. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Canadians, it was between it was like mm, it was around 40, which is too hot. 40 Celsius is too hot. Oh hell yeah! And uh, it went up like, and that's I live right on the coast. Like I live yeah. very close to the water. Um, and so it's, a it's a couple degrees cooler here. So 39, 40 is, is unbearable as it is. I can't imagine what it must've been like for anyone who was just even a little farther inland. Yeah. So hot. Um, but we, it's over. Thank goodness. Most of us survived it. Um, can't wait until next year's once in a generation event. (laughs) just our ongoing climate catastrophe like we've had so many um yeah i mean the ocean is on fire right now which is something i never expected to see but there's Mm -hmm. a literal fire in the middle of the water in the gulf of mexico and it is upsetting um yeah i i prefer my science fiction to stay fiction yeah me too (laughs) i don't like this whole becoming real thing and I, i think we're reaching a point where we really have to stop pretending that individual responsibility can stop climate change like 
I've been recycling and composting and turning my lights off my whole life. And guess what? The world is on fire. The ocean is on fire. I don't, I don't know how much I'm helping. Yeah. I feel like that's a thing that the sort of Gen Xers and millennials share of like being raised with this weird lie of like, only you can prevent global fires. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, I, I, was uh, in my early adolescence, probably around the time of the panic around the hole in the ozone layer. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we got to stop using aerosols and we have to, you know, this, yeah. and we all have to start recycling. Like I, I remember when we stopped throwing everything away in the garbage and started oh, yeah. dividing it into recycling. Uh, I'm still doing all of that. I am, you know, not not driving unless I have to. I walk everywhere. I take transit everywhere unless I absolutely yeah. need to get a car. I, you know, I feel like I'm doing the utmost that I can possibly do and continue to exist in the world. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think I'm making any kind of a dent at all. Not like, when you like actually look at the big statistics and numbers of like who and what are responsible yeah. for like the only way your personal behavior matters is if you are the CEO of a fortune 100 company or whatever. Exactly. Like my, my friends and I continuing to compost like maniacs is, uh-huh. uh, is not, not stopping the Gulf of Mexico from catching on fire. Not unless you all run down to the Gulf and throw your compost on the fire. I feel like that might just make it burn more. It's like we'd be fueling it. I know, that's a good point. (laughs) Anyway. Oh boy. So speaking of things that should be fictional, I don't Uh know. (laughs) That didn't go anywhere. I've been learning to roller skate. That's my, the new thing in my life. It is not about the horrors of climate change. Not directly. Hey. (laughs) No, I meant because it's a zero carbon footprint activity. It seems to be. I mean, I'm sure it's not zero because, you know, someone has to manufacture the skates. And Okay, fair. I ordered them and they got shipped here. <laughs> so now they got shipped here from like a 15 minute drive away. Um, because unbeknownst to me, I will say roller skating was something that I wanted to start doing before the pandemic and I put it off. And mm-hmm. I did not realize until recently that during the pandemic, there was a major explosion in roller skating, in interest in roller skating. So there were skate shortages and all kinds of stuff. Um, And in the, because of the combination of demand and COVID restrictions, our local skate shop uh, decided their best course of action for a while would be to to close the store and just operate it as a warehouse. Oh, wow. um, For shipping. So- Uh Yeah. You cannot currently, I hope this will change because I would like to go there. Uh, you cannot yeah. currently go to the skate shop. You have to order from it. Now you can call them and they will talk to you. You can email them <laughs> and they will like, they're not, their customer service is brilliant. They're, uh, they're called Roller Girl. They're here in Vancouver. They uh, have been there. I think they're the oldest uh, skate shop around. Like they've been around since 2003. Um, they are locally and female owned. They're great. Um, but they found that because of, you know, the size of their store mm-hmm. and the number of people who wanted to come in, plus all the COVID restrictions preventing that from happening and the amount of stock they were going through, yeah, their best course of action was like, okay, we'll just fill the store with stock and mail it to people. 
I think people can phone us. Yeah. Yeah. So their website is wonderful. It's, it's one of the most useful websites I've seen with like information and sizing info and a skate wizard to help you choose what kind (laughs) of skate and what size and what, like they really, they, they're trying hard and they're succeeding. Uh, And then also if that's not enough for you, you can call or email them and they will help talk you through it. You can ask them any question you want. They're great. Um, but so they, even though I live a 15 minute drive from the store, I still had to have it shipped. So not quite a zero footprint, but it didn't have to go on a plane, True, (laughs) you know, like it, it just went in a van and then the nice postal worker drove it here as far as I can (laughs) tell. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, Yeah. I think a lot of businesses sort of went with the wholesale model in their retail store during the pandemic. I heard lots of stories of like comic book shops that had to do that. So they were like getting people's pull lists and packaging them up. And, you know, maybe you can have people pick it up uh, zero contact or something. But the the browsing practice that used to support a lot of businesses pretty much. Yeah, a lot of people had to pivot to online, although at least with with comic books, you don't have to try them on usually um, not not I physically it, anyway being able to try stuff on would have been good uh that yeah. said because of all their sizing tools and and their advice i actually managed to order everything perfectly sized so yeah it takes a little more work and you can't you don't get the fun browsing mm-hmm. um on the other hand browsing right now isn't fun browsing is stressful yeah so <laughs> But anyway, I got wheels and I'm happy about it. <laughs> I got wheels on my feet. <laughs> I do. I have eight wheels on my feet. Not right now, because I can't podcast and roller skate at the same time. But I had them on earlier today. Perhaps several episodes from now when you're a little more practiced. <laughs> uh, still probably never, because it's really an outdoor activity right now. <laughs> Wait, eight wheels. Does that mean you don't have the like front, the toe wheel for braking? Was not a thing? Like that, that's ancient not a roller wheel. skates? They're not ancient. They're called quad skates. No, I meant previous you're ta- iterations. Not you're talking about ones. a you're talking about a stopper. Mm-hmm. It's not a wheel. It was never a wheel. Okay. It was never a wheel. I believe you. I'm not oh, saying. Okay. I'm not being skeptical. <laughs> I'm saying okay. 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 Uh, yeah. No. It, they have four wheels, and then they have. It is. It's round, but it does not move. It is a stopper. It is meant okay. to help you stop. That's what that is. It's not a toe wheel. Um, yeah, I didn't think it was for literally like coasting atop the toe. <laughs> I thought it just was a stopper that happened to be, they just mounted an extra wheel there to do the stopping. No, That's no, what it's was not in a wheel brain. at all. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out how that would work if it was a wheel. How would you stop if that was a wheel? Well, not a wheel that moves. It just. But then it's a not wheel a wheel. That's... By definition, I, okay. a wheel has to move. Okay. <laughs> it's let's, more of a, let's move on. <laughs> it's, it's more like an eraser. Like okay. if you want, it's like a hard eraser is closer to the texture of it. It's they're made of rubber. They mm-hmm. do not move. The whole point of them is that they do not move. They help stop you from moving. Although there are a few ways to stop on skates and the stopper is not the first one you learn. Fair enough. As <laughs> weirdly, despite being called a stopper, it's like the hardest way to stop. It seems dangerous. It's the hardest one to learn, which which is odd because if you've ever rollerbladed, which I did a lot in my 20s, um, they have a heel break. Yep. So it's essentially a stopper on the back of your skate and you dig your heel in and that stops you. And that to me is much easier to use than a toe stop. 
Yeah, I've used inline skates for quite a while because yeah. it was the 90s and you were yeah. supposed to. Uh, we and all yes, did. The, the yeah. heel brake is way easier to use it, than what I imagine a toe brake would be. Yeah, it's very easy. And you can buy a, a heel brake unit mounted on your roller skates if you want. Yeah. Uh, I've chosen not to because there are other ways to stop. It adds weight to your skate. And unless you put one on each side mm-hmm. and you're probably only ever going to use one because yeah. everyone is sort of, you know, you know how you're right-handed or left-handed, you're also yep. right-legged or left-legged. Absolutely. Um, so you're probably going to use one of them far more than the other. So one's going to wear down. Yeah. Point being, you're adding extra weight to one of your skates and I don't want to do that. So I'm going to learn, eventually I'll learn to use the toe stops. Right now I don't, I don't really use them. I use uh, what in skiing is known as the snowplow or pizza method. The pizza method. Okay. It's where you turn your feet in oh, to sure. make the shape of a slice of pizza or a snowplow. It's it's exactly, if you've ever downhill skied, it's exactly the same move. Yeah. Um, I imagine you could also do it in inline skates. I always used my heel brake when I skated inline. Yeah. Um, so I never used that, that method. And uh, I honestly can't remember what they call it in skating. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the couple of skiing lessons I took when I was, you know, 12 or 13, they called yeah. it, they called it, you know, make a pizza. And so I still <laughs> think of it as a, as a pizza move. I think the real name of it is snow plow, but I, I always called it a pizza move. So that's the easiest way. And then there's something called a T-stop that I have not yet mastered. Uh, and then there's the toe stop. So all of this is hard to talk about without any visuals. I bet this is just absolutely entrancing to the people listening. Um, well, the stopping yes. method that I mastered was the crashing into things method. That was very effective. Uh, yes. Until yesterday, <laughs> I took my first actual lesson yesterday because okay. for all the skating I did is like, I, when I, I grew up in the time when roller rinks were still kind of a thing, yeah. like skating, quad skating, before inline came along, had a bit of a resurgence in the eighties and early Mm -hmm. nineties. And so there was a a roller rink, not in my town, but in the next town over called wheelies. Okay. (laughs) And if I remember correctly, I believe it's, it's logo uh, was hippopotamus on roller skates. I don't know what they were trying to say (laughs) with this. Um, Yeah. I know about that. I loved it. It was a place like you would go, someone have their birthday at wheelies or Mm -hmm. there would be, uh, I know I went with my school a couple of times and I assume it was like, you know, you know, that day before Christmas or whatever, when the report cards are done and the work is in. And for some reason we're having a school day with nothing to do. So we take the kids skating or whatever. Sure. I assume that's why there were school field trips. Yeah to the roller rink but anyway so in all the times that i did that i never learned to skate there were no lessons i mean some teenager was working the register renting out skates to people yeah um and you just kind of held onto the wall and and fell over when you fell over and you know <laughs> no <laughs> nobody wore knee pads or wrist guards like they literally rented skates no helmets no like there oh, was yeah. no protective gear it's amazing that we all survived and that i never saw anyone break anything in all that time um, and then when I got older, I just sort of taught myself to rollerblade. Yeah. Like I bought a parrot Canadian tire or whatever, and <laughs> went out rollerblading a lot with my friend and basically learned how to stay up and I've never had a lesson. So yesterday I took my very first ever actual skating lesson on wheels. I did take one ice skating lesson as a child. It did not go well. <laughs> That's a story for another time. Um, <laughs> but roller skating is, is a thing that you can go and learn 
And yeah, um, there's there's a place in town that does that. And so I went and took an actual lesson and now I know how to stop without crashing into walls. Very exciting. The wall is start. still there, you know. <laughs> you can still crash into it if you need to, but they teach you how not to need to, which is great. Um, and I'm gonna go back next week and learn some more things because they they make everybody start with a one hour like roller skating 101 class, which is for yeah. It it's the assumption going in is that maybe you've never been on skates before. Sure. Yeah. And so it's, we had, it's great. We had people at a variety of levels. Like we had people, we had people like me who have skated in their lives, but never formally learned. And it's been 20 years. Um, <laughs> we had a couple of people who had literally just never been on skates before. Yeah. I bet. Um, and then we had, there was one person who said she was taking the one one for the third time. Okay. Um, because she just, you know, it was taking her longer to kind of get her feet under her. And I thought, I respect that. I respect that you would like tell us all that and trust us to like be cool about it, which everybody was. Yeah. And I thought it's actually kind of nice to know that if you, if you find yourself not where you want to be at the end of this, you're allowed to take it again and again and again and again until you feel like you can progress up to the next class. Um, but I'm going to sure. go next week and take the next level up because I feel like I'm, I'm it's all coming back. I've done the 101 and I feel like I'm now ready for the for what they call the basic class. It's like, yes, yes, I am ready to move from from pre-basic to basic. <laughs> Solid. Yeah. So then it's what week four where they teach you how to do backflips and stuff? Uh, I think it's way later than that, but <laughs> they do teach all levels. So um the recommendation that I got for me, because I did have some experience and because I was doing fine yesterday is to move up to the basics and then move to the all level classes. Uh, and that, that I think is where you can start to learn like tricks and spins and things. Score. Yeah. So, but I might, I might stay in basics for a while. I don't know. That's, that's where you really get solid on the basics of roller skating, like how not to fall over. Although so far, not a whole lot of falling over, which is nice. Some falling over, which is expected. Yeah. Um, if you're not falling over, you're not even trying. <laughs> is, yeah, I do tend to think ethos. with stuff like that, you do need to push yourself in order to like find the line. Well, yeah, so that you know you... when you're gonna fall over. Because if you're just sort of never you never cross the line and actually eat it, then you're always gonna be a little bit more afraid of it, is my general thought. Yeah, I think like the, that. probably the longer you go without falling, the scarier it gets. Yes. So I I will give them this. So the very first thing they have you do in the class is fall. Yep. Like That's without awesome. skates or anything, you're like, everybody put on all of your padding because you do, <laughs> you wear your gear, right? You've got knee pads and wrist guards and elbow pads and a helmet. Uh -huh. um, I'm sure liability is a factor, but also like they know they're just dealing with people who've never been on skates before in a lot of cases. Well, so, that's the point of the class. Yeah. Yeah. And then they teach you the sort of your, the two different ways to fall. Like there's, mm -hmm. are you falling forward? Do this. Are you falling backward? Do this. <laughs> um that and then you do really it great. so it's like you do it like slowly mm -hmm. not at you know but everybody in a circle all together now down we go yep <laughs> and, and it's great because it's out of the way right yeah and then they also had a rule that anytime anyone falls we all stop and cheer for that person that's awesome so it gets fun yeah 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 well, and so i think that's there's like a life metaphor in there too of like it's not about avoiding falling it's about falling well and getting yeah. back up <laughs> yeah, exactly like learning learning how to fall and get back up yeah. and and how to fall safely is a yeah. lot of it and the gear helps with that immensely
I will say falling on the uh, nice sprung wood floor of a church gymnasium where they teach their classes <laughs> is more comfortable than than falling on the concrete in the parking lot where I practice. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense to me. But either way, the, the gear is good. Like, yeah, that's that's what the padding is for. And if it would be way worse if you didn't have the padding because the padding takes the hit. Right. If you're falling right, your gear takes the hit and you don't really feel anything. But it's still, I don't know. There's also just something that's a little less scary about falling on the wood floor because yeah. it's just not as hard. <laughs> you know, it's hard, yeah, but it's totally. not. It ain't concrete. I like the idea maybe of practicing, like being the process of moving between, like from fall to fall. Like that's in a way that's sort of your goal is to like continue to fall better until you don't need to anymore. Well, apparently that never happened. You never hit a point where you stop entirely. If you're going to keep, sure. I mean, probably, probably you fall very rarely if you're just skating, you know, on, <laughs> on skate trails or whatever. Yeah. Um, if you're doing, if you're at the skate park and you're doing tricks and stuff, you are going to wipe out. Oh, well, yeah, that's yeah, again, sort of the point is to push the boundaries. Yeah. And if you're playing roller derby, then people are going to make you wipe out uh -huh. because it's their job as the other team. <laughs> it's, it's a contact sport. Um, yeah. Big time. But for the casual roller skater. Yeah. You <laughs> eventually you learn how to not fall over that much, but you should probably still wear your wrist guards and maybe your knee pads just in case. Yeah. You know, and maybe your helmet, depending on where you are. Like a helmet's a good idea, regardless, probably. Yeah. Maybe we should all just be wearing helmets all the time. <laughs> I'm not against it. <laughs> Especially if we're going to continue to live in a more and more dangerous planet. <laughs> yes. Maybe That's we just should just be... spacesuits all the time. Helmets are the new mask. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, they already make those. They make the full like helmet comes down to your shoulders. Oh, it sure. looks like you're wearing the top bit of an astro uh, astronaut outfit, right? Like mm -hmm. it's it's the astronaut outfit without the spacesuit part. It's just the head bit. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I do fear that someday we're all going to be walking around in those. Yeah. Again, let's let's keep our science fiction fictional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what are we really talking about today now that we've... <laughs> Well, we're not here to discuss. <laughs> Love to do a big gaglarity yeah. gear change. Yeah. We're not here to talk about the environment and roller skating <laughs> or Chris's trip to Portland. <laughs> well, while we were off, you uh, had a big old movie binge. Oh, I did. Yeah. I uh, I went on a bit of an Avengers kick, mm -hmm. partly because my membership to Disney Plus was ending. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to switch it over to Crave so that I could watch uh, Mayor of Easttown and Hacks, things we'll talk about in future episodes. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, I have, I, I try to have no more than three streaming services at a time. Yep. So I, I kind of always have Netflix uh, and Amazon Prime Video. Uh, and then the third one I rotate in and out. So I had Disney back for like the second time and yeah. it had all of the Avengers and Avenger type movies on it. Mm -hmm. And well, what really happened was I, <laughs> I had an urge to watch the incredible Hulk, um, as mm -hmm. Chris knows, and as the audience will now know, I have a thing for the Hulk. I don't yeah. really understand it. I don't know why I liked the cartoon as a kid. Uh, I saw some of the old, like Lou Ferrigno, incredible Hulk show as a yeah. kid. And 
uh, of the male Avengers, he, <laughs> he is my favorite. My real favorite Avengers are like, you know, Captain Marvel. <laughs> I'm now sure. a big, big fan of Wanda now. Um, <laughs> I like Shuri. So. <laughs> I like Shuri from Black Panther. She's mm-hmm. the smartest, clearly. Yeah. Um, she invents all the things. So, but of of the male members of the Avengers universe, for <laughs> reasons I do not fully understand, the Hulk has always been my favorite. He's big. He's green. He smashes stuff. I enjoy this. He's the living embodiment <laughs> of id and emotion. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> like pretty literally. Hulk rage. Um, yeah. So I went looking. And so then I texted Chris and said, hey, why is there no Hulk movie? Mm-hmm. And, and I were, said, there are several Hulk movie. <laughs> you reminded me that there were, but they're, they're not on Disney Plus. That's um, correct. Yes. So you reminded me that uh, there had been two. And I did... When I went and looked, because I knew in my brain, I knew there was a Hulk movie, but uh-huh. I didn't realize that it was a Marvel Hulk movie in the way because it wasn't yeah. Mark Ruffalo. When I was it, yeah. confused because um, I did remember that there had been two Hulk movies. If you had asked me, I would have told you they were made much more closely together because I remember that yeah. when the second one came out, I distinctly remember having the thought of like, didn't we just do this? Well, yeah, and for the for the folks who may not who may also not remember, mm-hmm. uh, in two thousand three, uh, Ang Lee made a Hulk movie that was just a standalone. Hey, remember comic books? Let's make comic book movies. Movie. Yeah. This is during the era of the original X Men movies and mm-hmm. the first run of Spider Man movies, and yeah. way before the MCU came out. Yeah, uh, and, and it's so very is, much the origin story of the Hulk. Yeah. So this is the one yeah. that had Eric Bana and Jennifer Connelly, Sam Elliott. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Lucas and Nick Nolte in a Nick Nolteist of performances. Oh boy, uh, is it ever! <laughs> it is ever. But it was um, 2010 before the Ed Norton version, which is in sort of like a gray area of canon. It's from 2008. Wait, is it the Ed oh. Norton movie? Yeah, it came out the same year as oh, Iron Man. No, they you're came... right. I'm reading a list and I moved oh. across in the wrong okay. direction. Yeah, yep. they came. They came line. out the same year. Iron, the first Iron mm-hmm. Man, just yep. Iron Man, and. Hulk came out the same yep. year. That's that's my bad for reading at an angle. <laughs> Aha! <laughs> but Kids yeah, like always read straight across. That's right. <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> this, is, this is our PSA for today. Don't try this at home. <laughs> <laughs> Wear your pads when you roll a stand and don't read at an angle. Read in a straight line. <laughs> um, but the Norton one, um, they did that in partnership with the license holder. And so I think that's why you don't have a lot of references to any of the characters out of that, except for the William Hurt Thunderbolt Ross, because mm. he exists in combination with other media and the way these license deals work, it just gets really weird and complicated. So like, I think that's the reason we haven't seen the Liv Tyler, Betty Ross come back. Right, right. Because uh, he's her father. Yeah. The William Hurt character, sorry, yep. not, not the Hulk. <laughs> um yeah let's be careful with that <laughs> yeah we haven't seen well so betty ross is first played by jennifer Connolly, and then because mm-hmm. what's interesting is so the the eric bana movie is very much the hulk's origin story uh-huh. and then the ed norton movie is really a follow-up like it picks up from where that first movie leaves off that but was my a, observation too yeah. it's a complete recast yeah uh and a very different feel like the the ang lee movie is very it's like it's like someone made well, he made a combination art film and comic book movie. Yeah, it's absolutely. very strange. It's uh-huh. quite beautiful. 
but it's also very weird. Uh huh. I don't know how I feel about it. I have a lot of affection for that movie, mostly yeah. because of the cast, but also just because it swings so fucking hard. Yeah, like I don't dislike it at all. Yeah. It just it's it's a very odd way to make a movie. Yeah. I don't know that it a hundred percent works, but I respect it. And I see what he was trying to do. And a lot of it works. Well, the thing that I think most people objected to was sort of the editing of it. Because if, for those who haven't seen it, uh, they put sort of picture in picture looking sort of Mm -hmm. tableau of scenes or the same scene from different angles onto the screen all at once. And so if you see like a helicopter flying across the screen, you see it from above, from below, from the side, you know, when the Hulk is punching things, you see his POV and the other POV. It's like a zoom meeting. It's everything all at once. Well, and and sometimes they cut to a new scene by doing that. Exactly. But that's, I mean, it was obvious to me watching it that, oh, those are comic frames. Yeah. Those are frames oh, yeah. on a page of a comic book. That's what he's doing. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, you, anyone who is watching a Hulk movie and doesn't understand that on some fundamental level, they are watching a comic book movie. Yeah. Does not know a lot about the Hulk. <laughs> Maybe yeah. they only know about Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, like, I, I, it's such a weird movie. I like it, I guess. I just, <laughs> I do wish, I thought the performances were really very good. Yes. Um, I do wish, and this is not anyone's fault because it's purely technological. I do wish that CGI had been better at that time. Sure. I think it and holds up pretty well, but. Not, it's not bad. It's yeah. not bad, but it's very, like, if you were to do that now, the CGI mm-hmm. on the Hulk himself would just be so much better. Absolutely. Um, there is even, some, mm-hmm. There's some improvement even to the Ed Norton one. Like yeah. those five years made a real difference in how he was rendered. And I think, yeah. it, well, it, they are still doing it now with Mark Ruffalo yeah. and the, and mocap suits and all like stuff has really changed. And the, yeah. what we have for the CGI Hulk now, and what we had 18 years ago, uh-huh. 19 years ago, very, very different. Um, so I wish that you could take the the Hulk CGI that we have now and transplant it into those older movies sure. because yeah. it would be less obviously CGI because yeah. there are moments where you're like, oh, look at that little green gumball go up and down. <laughs> There's know? a little bit of that. Um, yeah. The thing that I find really interesting about the 2003 Hulk, and it, I remember this from the DVD special features, which I did not rewatch. I just re- rewatched the movies. Um mm-hmm is that Ang Lee did some of the mocap for Mm -hmm. the Hulk and like the smashing and the jumping up and down. And it's the old style mocap suits, which everybody used to make fun of. They were like a black leotard with like white ping pong balls on them. Yeah, they still wear those. Yeah, but now it's like way Mm. more complex. They had like a dozen- not just ping pong balls anymore. (laughs) Well, they had like a dozen points of reference. Like there's one, you know, digital uh, Mm -hmm. coordinate for the wrist, for the elbow, for the shoulder. And now they wear these suits where the camera picks up like thousands of points of reference. So oh yeah, like get, little facial movements. And, yes, yeah. you can get these really incredible performances where the actor is like wearing a digital mask, but their yes. performance still comes through. It's not, yeah. you know, like an animated facial performance. It's actually like what the human is doing. Yes, yeah, within sort of the animated character overlaid on it. Yeah, but yeah, you get you get so much more nuance now. Yeah, uh, than what you got then. But yeah, I mean, I think, I assume all of those movies used whatever mocap was available to them at the time. 
Well, I think that um, I'd have to look back on this, but my recollection is that the Norton version is not mocapped by Norton. I think it is mostly animated. Oh, okay. Not mocapped by anyone? I think a, a lot of it is just just the, animation. The way mm. they just did computer animation. Mm. Well, either way, it's better now. I mean, I like yes. the Mark Ruffalo one. Mm -hmm. much better um but yes so the reason that i was confused was i did not remember yeah. although i looked it up after that the ed norton movie was the marvel hulk movie mm -hmm. and that there was a, and that they recast the actor yeah um i only remembered mark ruffalo as the hulk and i was looking for a, a mark ruffalo yeah. yes a standalone mark ruffalo hulk movie which does not and probably never will exist because they did make it they made it with ed norton yeah and before that with eric banna yeah and i i thought it was interesting what you're saying about um the banna movie sort of being like the first in a series and then mm -hmm. the norton movie kind of even though they're in no way related in yeah. storyline or canon it's a completely different origin but in the like opening credits sequence of the norton movie you mm -hmm. sort of have a parallel series of plot elements and character beats as happen in the first movie and so it, you almost like pick up where you left off you do because there's no the second movie really doesn't there's not much of an origin story no it's all it's, it happened it's, already it's like this happened opens. in a lab and he's yeah. been living in you know in a in, i think in mexico working in a bottling plant brazil because he's speaking portuguese ah okay yeah um i just remembered not in america yeah <laughs> so, um well and that's so the thing yeah, is at the been... end of the the 2003 movie he flees to that's where Central i was going south yes. america exactly he yeah. flees and then when we pick up with the next movie he's there so they although they're not connected they feel connected yeah like absolutely. the second set of filmmakers clearly looked at what the first set had done and picked up the story from there so those yeah. movies do flow which you wouldn't necessarily expect and then when hulk at the end of the second hulk movie He's off by himself again. Mm -hmm. And when we we don't see him again until the Avengers. And when we do, he's come out of his self-imposed solitude. Yeah. So they actually, his storyline actually does flow. It's just that there yeah. are th three different actors playing yeah. him. And then once we hit the Avengers, like once we get Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, we get Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. Yeah. And so it's, I think you can look at the... 2003 2008 and 2012 hulk appearances as sort of like a loose trilogy yeah you know there's like not just a, that the story itself is contiguous but that like there's three character beats of like yeah. trying to deal with this duality of personality and by the yeah. end of the avengers movie not a ton of character arc in the movie because there's just so many dang characters yeah he sort of like reveals what he has done is sort of learn to live with it like this is a part of me and that's mm -hmm. what i mean again you're looking you're hanging character arcs on single lines of dialogue but i think that's yeah. what that when he finally shows up at the battle of new york and says that that's the thing i'm always angry like that's the their attempt at the culmination of these three films in his existence and then you sort of move yeah. forward into you know new character stuff after that i would say though that he's i wouldn't say he's learned to live with it in the avengers he's still very much fighting it yeah um i don't think we really see him learn to live with it until like Endgame. oh absolutely he's just kind of hulking all the time well he's you know? yeah, integrated he's, yeah He's big and green and making tacos. Yeah. 
<laughs> literally he does that um yeah yep. there so i think by he learns to live with it after that he, I, I felt like he was still very much fighting it in the avengers but i do i appreciate that they he mm -hmm. has that journey even though it's three different actors yeah and and we don't sort of settle on a way of storytelling and a way of movie making until the avengers from that point on it's very um contigu contiguous was a good word <laughs> yeah it flows really well through through the rest of the movies. He gets that yeah. evolution. What I find sort of sad is that he, that one character never gets his own movie with that actor in this universe yeah. and probably won't, honestly, because Mark Ruffalo has been interviewed about it and has said yeah. it's very unlikely to happen because Marvel owns the Hulk, but Universal owns the distribution rights. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically Universal owns the right to make a standalone movie. Yeah. And, and so, so they if can't... you put Hulk as the title character, yeah, that's why he's appearing in all these support capacities, which I think yeah. he's been used very effectively. Like very you well. mentioned before this tear of Marvel movie watching that um, Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok was one of your favorite Marvel, or yeah. one of the few you had seen, but one of the standouts. Yeah, no, I just wanted to finish saying that because mm -hmm. those two companies don't apparently don't oh, play yeah, well sorry i didn't don't, jump away from that <laughs> they don't play well together that's why mark ruffalo will never get his own standalone hulk movie which is too mm -hmm. bad i think he'd be great um yeah. yes he gets i would say he gets the most screen time mm -hmm. in thor ragnarok yeah um and i saw that movie out of continuity with anything else. Like, I think I had seen Iron Man when it first came out because <laughs> yeah. I've always liked Robert Downey Jr. And I know I saw one or both Hulk movies back then. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not 100% sure which one I saw. <laughs> it's been so long. I may have seen them both. Uh, the second one, the Ed Norton one, the minute I started watching it, I thought, oh, this is filmed in Toronto. <laughs> or well, the minute they get to New York. Yeah. Uh, because most of of the action in that movie takes place on the university of toronto campus yeah where i went to school and so the second i saw those buildings it's like you oh, mean not in virginia <laughs> not in virginia i knew immediately where we were um what building we were at a lot of it takes takes place in king's college circle yeah morningside um, park <laughs> Yes, some of it is in parks, but a lot of it, a lot of it is in King's College Circle. Um, anything where you see like those big Ivy covered buildings and stuff. And, and you know, some in Hamilton, Ontario, and yep. an airbase in Trenton. I think Hamilton is where we see the houses and things. Mm -hmm. um, but anything that takes place, because of course, a lot of it does take place on a university campus. Yeah. A fictional university, as far as I know. That I think so too, yeah. It, all of that all of it is done on the real St. George University of Toronto campus. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was It was just really weird to be like, oh, they're walking into Sydney Smith Hall. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the Department of Gamma Studies when I was there. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's the Faculty of Arts building, but okay. Uh, and because that was filmed in 08, uh, I graduated in 2000. So there had been some new construction, but not a ton. Right. Like everything they used, I recognized. Um, so that that was fun for me. Uh, but yeah, so Thor, right? Then I don't think I saw really anything until the Avengers, which to yeah. me was kind of standalone. And then I saw Thor Ragnarok. And that I saw, uh, I saw it when it was new, when it was in the theaters. I saw it in LA with friend of the show, Beth. Oh, 
yeah, I was I was hanging out with her down there for a weekend. And that one of the things we did was we went and saw Thor Ragnarok. And because I saw it kind of in a vacuum, I hadn't seen any other Thor appearances yeah. really uh i was just super delighted by how much my old buddy the hulk was in it that's right <laughs> well i think i think taika Waititi, who directed that just did such a fantastic job of picking up all of the story beats mm-hmm. for obviously the thor and loki relationship is the one that spans the other thor movies but right. the just the thor and banner slash thor and hulk sort of friendship and those mm-hmm. beats that they have with like oh no you're my favorite i don't like the other guy oh no you're my yeah. favorite i don't like the other guy like he made that the sort of like team part of the avengers way more compelling than even some of the moments in the avengers movies proper yeah i mean like, one of the so greatest much fun one of the greatest moments when he first goes into that ring and uh-huh. encounters his opponent, the Hulk. Uh-huh. And this line apparently was written by, I think, like a, a Make a Wish kid who was on set oh, really? for the day. <laughs> I don't Pit- know the story. Yeah, uh, pitched this uh-huh. when they were were working on this scene, and it's the line where Thor sees Hulk. He's like, "Oh, it's okay. I know him. He's a friend from work." <laughs> that that line is so perfect, and I think. It was written by a brilliant, brilliant child. That's amazing. And I wish we knew this person's name. I'm going to have to see if I can look this up. It might be in the IMDb trivia. I think that's where I saw it. And it was a kid who was, I think he was from uh, like the Make-A-Wish Foundation or something. It was a kid who, you know, that was their special wish was to to get to see this filmed and and to get to hang out with the Avengers guys. and, And they made it happen. And apparently he was allowed to like, well, he was hanging out. He was allowed to pitch this line and they used it in the film. And it is. It's one of the most memorable lines in the film. Yeah, well, I found it in the IMDb trivia and the yeah. child is not named. So I may have to do additional well, research privacy. to see if we can find that. But yes, also an underage person deserves their privacy. Yeah. Um, but my my thought with that has always been it is so perfect in like the general sensibility of the movie that they made. Mm-hmm. But it also like in a way it kind of shows that like being on earth and around humans has rubbed off on Thor a little bit. Like he's picked up the way we talk versus if you go back to the first Thor movie, which is a Kenneth Branagh joint, like he doesn't talk like people talk. Right. He talks like a Shakespearean actor wrote an Asgardian talk. Which makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's a god from another planet. (laughs) Exactly. But I like the idea of that evolution because I think that's a thing that everybody has. You Mm -hmm. speak the most like the people you spend the most time with. So slang and all that stuff it's just our language as individuals is constantly evolving yeah he's really integrated into the world that he is in yeah um and he you know he's in a few different worlds in that movie Mm -hmm. um and i mean while we're on the subject of this movie we also have the great kate blanchett absolutely um, amazing in this role just phenomenal just phenomenal one of the um, sadly few female performers doing a Marvel villain, but inarguably one of mm. the best Marvel villains. So take from yeah. that what you will. A lot of fun. Um, we also, we get to see Doctor Strange and I still have not seen the Doctor Strange movie. I know he has his own movie, yeah. but this was my initial exposure to that character. Oh, wow. That's interesting. <laughs> and it was, I mean, he's very funny. It's, I mean, none of, none of these movies are serious they're comic book movies. They're all exactly. fairly lighthearted, some more yeah. than others. Thor Ragnarok to me is particularly funny. 
Yes. I mean, the, the Ong Lee, the Hulk is not very funny. No, that movie takes itself very seriously. And there it's are, dark. <laughs> there are fun and funny things in it, but it is mm-hmm. kind of like you're saying, it's like an indie drama yeah. made out of a comic book movie. Yeah. It's a much more serious. I don't know if he pronounced his name Ong or Ang Lee. I'm not sure. I, I've, I've heard, heard it both ways. So I think I am switching back and forth as I yeah. say it too. And so I am, I am too. Apologies? So I, exactly. I apologize for the times I'm saying it wrong. Yeah. Which is maybe all of the times. Um, I've never heard him say his own name out loud. Yeah. I need him to like host something because even when someone's interviewed, usually they are interviewed by another person who introduces them. And so they never say, hello, Mm -hmm. my name is. And that's what I, that's what I need from him. Um, Anyway, uh, (laughs) Thor Ragnarok is very funny. Um, and uh, Doctor, the Doctor Strange scenes are very funny. Um, the, well, they're, the, <laughs> the scenes that happen in the ring during the yep. fight are sort of partially funny and partially, uh, you know, just two dudes beating on each other. Um, we also, we get the great mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum. Um, and we get the problematic casting of Tilda Swinton as the ancient one. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, there. That's a thing that's been picked par- picked apart in a million ways, and I think that what they were trying to do is perhaps admirable, but the way they came down on it, like I, I think you guys needed another pass on that concept she, before you went to casting. She spoke about it recently. Okay, um, be, it came up, I guess, in an interview, and so she mm-hmm. spoke about it recently and said she is glad that people have pointed out how problematic yeah. it is, yeah. and that at yes, at the time, the reason, the reason that she was cast and the reason that they sort of thought it was okay and the reason that she accepted it was Mm -hmm. that what they were trying to avoid was the stereotype of the old wizened ancient asian man exactly and so they thought that by casting a woman they were avoiding Mm -hmm. that stereotype and they did not think about the fact that in casting specifically that woman they were whitewashing the role like that didn't occur to them yeah. And that they were whitewashing it and at the same time sort of dressing her as if she were, she didn't go into all this detail, but if you look at her, she's sort of dressed yeah. as if she's the Dalai Lama or something, but it's a white lady and it's yeah. like, there's a way to do that that isn't and I think stereotype that- and also isn't whitewashing. I mean, just off the top of my head, did it occur to them that maybe the ancient one could be played by a, a child of Asian descent? Sure. That would be fun or interesting. Did yeah. it occur to them to cast an Asian woman? <laughs> like, yeah, there's plenty of other ways to go. There's I think so the many other, ways to do it. Yeah. The other thing they could have even done sort of like at the last minute, if somebody had pointed this out, like right before mm-hmm. filming is just give that character a name and have them not be the ancient one. Just this is the person in charge of Kamartage right now. It's a new character. Yes, that's a, absolutely another way is to just yeah. make it a different character. Um, there's There are a bunch of different ways to handle that um i assume because i don't know that role from the comic books i assume it was an old asian man in the comic books yeah oh absolutely so i am given the uh until very recently and still stunning dearth of roles (laughs) for people who are not white and in particular people who are not white men yeah um, i would be loath to take a character who was asian and de-asianize them sure i would I would think a better course of action would be to beef up that role and then cast and an just Asian have it person not in it. be stereotypical. Like exactly. there's your other option. Exactly. Like there's a way yeah. to do this and to cast an Asian person and to 
write out the stereotype without whitewashing the role. Like there, are, yeah. And I'm no expert in how to do that, but I bet, I bet you could find Asian writers and actors who are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, I, I think probably. I bet there's no problem finding mm-hmm. someone who you could pay to help you figure that out. Especially um, when you are Marvel, and I mean, this is 2016, exactly. I think. So you, you know, they've yeah. had many years of success and bajillions of dollars, like. There's, I'm sure a writer, you could beat the quote of whatever they're doing if you wanted them. <laughs> yeah, like hire hire, hire a consulting writer <laughs> to yeah. help you with this part of the script. That would be great. Next time, guys, that's what we do. When, you Anywho, know. yeah, so I, 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 yeah, I think, as you said, like heart in the right place yeah. should have been done differently. And I think that a lot of, I mean most of these comic book characters were created sort of mid 20th century. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of of stereotypical stuff in there. And this idea of, and I'm using this term in quotes, but like Orientalism Mm. in these characters, like that's just the way everything was written. You know, there's across all forms of media in the West, like it was just kind of the way things were done and nobody questioned it. And so then when you try to reevaluate, like all of a sudden you have like many sets of new problems because adapting things directly is real easy and real simple. And that's what people expect. And when you're Mm -hmm. making what are fundamentally supposed to be big four quadrant movies, Mm -hmm. you know, after 2012, I think the idea was like, Hey, what if every single one of these made a billion dollars? Let's see if we can do that. And that means you can't take big risks all the time because if you have like two movies that make under a billion dollars you're going to start to get all these weird publications and th- mm-hmm. think pieces in the trades of like mm-hmm. oh no marvel's losing step and you know people don't want to see marvel movies anymore and blah 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 like you just yeah. it's once it's disney like the machine got to keep rolling well and if you change anything you're going to hear from the so-called uh-huh. hardcore fans who yeah. don't want anything changed the, no matter how the, wrong and problematic it is the gatekeepers let's be real fair those aren't yeah. fans those are people who feel they own something and that other people enjoying it diminishes yes. their experience yes people who have absolutely no official affiliation with this whatsoever and yet think they own it mm-hmm. so you're going to hear from them but yeah in in general i think that you know that is an example of an attempt to to fix a problem they saw coming and then they just they just biffed it yeah <laughs> you know which again i mean kudos <laughs> like, for trying to fix it i guess because <laughs> it would also... have been easy to cast like a ken watanabe type and just sort of go with it yeah but i but... appreciate that they admit that they biffed it yeah i mean at least no one is out there defending it yeah at least not that i've seen uh i've you know tilda swinton wasn't defending it and i did not see any directors any producers anybody coming out and saying but we meant well it was more you can say like (laughs) yeah we meant well and we messed up like all the meaning well in the world does not mean that we did not completely biff this in the execution would do it differently next time yeah (laughs) i think that's the best you can do like you can't undo i mean i guess it's a movie you could go back and reshoot it some other way but that's also covering up the problem (laughs) right so maybe better just to be like, mm, yeah, that was that was not good, you guys. We messed yeah. up. I don't think we there need it to is. George Lucas every movie that has a mistake. No <laughs> a special edition. Exactly. Oh no. man. Um, no. What was I going to say a minute ago? Oh, so for because we don't talk about Marvel and big franchise movies a ton on the podcast. I Mm-mm. don't know if anybody knows this about me, but I am deep on these movies and see all of them multiple times in the theaters when they come out and rewatch them all the time. And so 
it's really fascinating to me to talk to someone like yourself who is like just sort of a little bit more of a casual viewer I was gonna say I would call myself a, order. a casual fan like yeah. I enjoy them when I see them I don't necessarily seek them out and you don't you don't have as much of an investment in all no. of the little bits and bobs and the time that not people appear in other people's stories and like just I I knew you had yeah. not seen Doctor Strange because we talked about this, but yeah. I hadn't thought specifically about the experience of him popping up in Ragnarok and like, oh, that's your introduction to this character. So you don't yeah. even know about his relationship with Rachel McAdams' character and nope. his other things. And I like, don't know anything about him. Like, he, I know he I has have, a he has a very magical cape. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the cape, which in his standalone movie, a lot of people compared to the carpet from Aladdin, which I think is oh. delightful. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, just because it is it is a piece of fabric that is like semi-sentient. It's yeah. like an R2-D2 sort of character who like helps yeah. out. Not that it, it yeah, is it culturally it's... similar. Okay. Yeah. But that no, it is it does... a, it's a flying piece of fabric who helps out. It seems to think for itself a bit. It grabs uh -huh. weapons occasionally. It appears mm -hmm. out of nowhere. It's yeah, uh -huh. it's fun. And then, you know, he seems to be able to like stop time and stuff. So yeah, Dr. Strange is great fun in the little bit of him that I saw. And then yeah. he had some like assistant guy with him. Uh, uh, yeah, Wong is around. Um, that was an actually in the Strange movie. Uh, a, I think a, a successfully executed update because okay. in the original comics, my understanding of, and I could be wrong about this, was that the Benedict Wong character was much more of like a like a valet. Like I'm a, sorry, a, a guy who helped him. The character's first name is Benedict. The actor is Benedict Wong, and he's next to Benedict Cumberbatch. That is wild. <laughs> I, I'm not in charge of these decisions, but yes, you're correct. <laughs> I also never made what is that the connection before. Then what is the character's name? You Just called Wong. him Wong. Yeah. Oh, okay. A, so the actor happens to have the same have, last name as his character's name. There's two coincidences at play here. I was only factoring in the one, but yes, Good you're Lord. correct. Okay. So Wong is played by Benedict Wong. Uh-huh. Okay. Anyway. And Benedict <laughs> Wong plays the friend of Doctor Strange, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. This is breaking my wild. brain a little bit that I've never thought about this before, but this is why we have these conversations well, on the I, podcast. I had a moment of like, did he put one actor's first name with the other actor's last name? Is that what's happening here? No, they're both named Benedict. What yeah. are the odds? Because most people named Ben tend to be Benjamins. Uh-huh. <laughs> occasionally you'll get a Bennett. Yeah. And even more occasionally, apparently, a Benedict. Is Benedict Wong also British? I think he might be. I, I ask because I think Benedict as a first name is more common over there. I'm and Cumberbatch is, uh, I believe, of UK extraction. He is English. Yeah. He's from, I'm not sure how to pronounce the name of this town, E-C-C-L-E-S? Eccles. Eccles, okay. So he's from Eccles. Eccles, England. Ooh, that's where Eccles cakes come from, I bet. Cool. That's a British snack. Anyway, we have multiple Benedicts playing, but the, the original Wong, Wong character was just like an aide, an assistant, like he okay. wasn't powerful. And so they made him instead, he's like the, I wouldn't say librarian, but he like is the head of the archives at oh. one of the temples. Oh, and okay. so there's a lot of, as one would expect in the Doctor Strange mm -hmm. movie, like there are some leadership positions that get taken out. And so like people move up a couple of rungs. And so he becomes okay. more important, but he's one of the guys who helps train the Stephen Strange character in that movie. And oh, so okay. he is, he is sort of more of a, a mentor type figure, kind okay. of the way the, um, 
the Tuatagia four character Mordo, um, and then also the Ancient One character, like they're all they're all people who helped Doctor Strange become Doctor Strange. And then by the time you get to him in later movies, he has become the like Sorcerer Supreme character. And they okay. are his not in any way like sidekicks, except for but they're like also very capable people. Okay. Cause it, I mean it's unclear in Thor Ragnarok exactly what Wong's function is, but it's just like, oh, because that's his that's yeah. his buddy. Like yep. I get I'm supposed to know, but it's like this is his it's buddy a, who's like around. He's a friend <laughs> from work. Exactly. This is this is friend. Uh-huh. Who may or may not live with him. <laughs> well, they all live in the sanctuary, so. Well, there you go. I don't know. He was at the house all the time. He's uh-huh. his buddy. And yeah, I had no idea who he was other than, oh, this is, I mean, maybe it's his man friend. I don't know. That's hey, his business. I, I don't need to ask I, them listen, about their. <laughs> their relationship is whatever it is, and that is their business, and all of it is fine. Absolutely. Um, I hope the two Benedicts are enjoying each other. <laughs> that is I feel like I must have thought that before or noticed that before, but it's, yeah, I don't It's just don't know such an unusual name. Mm-hmm. Like if you would, if you had told me they were both named Brian, I wouldn't yeah. think anything of it. You know? It's not like when you get to the Avengers movies, the most recent two, and there's like, mm-hmm. oh, there's three Chris's in the top 10 cats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that, that I expect. Oh, both these dudes are named David. Sure. But yeah. both these dudes are named Benedict. Yeah. Unusual. <laughs> absolutely yeah um but yeah so you you don't have like the one could say baggage of having watched all of the movies and knowing all of the people and what it means and so like the thing no. that i was very curious about with the avengers infinity mm-hmm. war and Endgame was to talk to someone who had not seen any of the movies before that and just to see if like that oh. cavalcade of characters made any goddamn sense because like I, you need a lot of knowledge i think to really properly enjoy those movies yeah i don't know because i had seen so of uh, the movies i have seen off the top of my head uh-huh are iron man um both those early hulk movies mm-hmm. the avengers uh the avengers age of ultron the Avengers mm-hmm. Infinity War, The Avengers Endgame, Thor Ragnarok, Captain Marvel, Black Panther. Uh huh. That might be it. Spider Man movies? Something? No, I've not seen any of those, which is weird because I really liked the Spider Man cartoon as a kid. You haven't seen any of the Iron Man sequels or the Cap- Captain America movies? I've not seen any Captain America movies. It's possible I saw an Iron Man sequel. Those are old enough and I'm not sure. The Guardians movies, there's two of those weirdly no but i i want to now Mm -hmm. next time i get disney uh because (laughs) very very much enjoy groot yes groot is wonderful and all groot Um, ever says is i am groot and it means everything and then um what's the (laughs) raccoon's name remind me the raccoon's name Rocket. rocket i enjoy him and i enjoy that thor for some reason thinks he's a rabbit he keeps calling him rabbit that's a running gag in those guardians movies of people referring to him by different names and terms and it's it's part of the guardians as a found family origin story in the first guardians movie is them just being dicks to each other and then eventually they become friends okay so there's a lot of that kind of thing the specificity of thor not knowing the difference between a a raccoon and a rabbit i found Mm -hmm. very funny it's the it's the dumbest running joke Mm -hmm. but it's also very funny so by my count you had seen before the two avengers infinity and endgame movies you had seen not including those two, seven out of 20-ish. So you're I mean, about halfway count, there. Yeah. 
I did. Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. There may be others, and there are some that just haven't been. Yeah. Like I, I will go and see uh, Black Widow when it comes out, which is very soon. Mm -hmm. This coming um, week, as we're recording. Yeah. So, and then some like I was very excited to see Black Panther because mm -hmm. it had a lot of hype around it, and that one I saw in the theater in 3D with all that, and I that was <laughs> that movie you could see standalone and enjoy it. Yeah, like, absolutely. You don't, you don't need anything else to enjoy Black Panther. Yeah. Um, much like sort of the early Hulk and and the yeah. first Iron Man and stuff, like you, it does not require other context. But having seen Black Panther, it's really fun in the other movies when we see Wakanda again or we, yeah, see characters from Wakanda come and make appearances in other movies. So yeah. I because Infinity War sort of rolls right out of the events of Black Panther. It's, yeah, you know, like days later, you know, some yeah. of the to be Infinity honest, some War of the continuity see them again. Yes. Yeah. Some of the continuity gets a little sticky because there's moments like that where it kind of seems like it's supposed to happen days mm -hmm. or weeks after the previous movie, but the right. previous movie was two years ago in real time. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, okay, well, which, what year are we in in MCU timeline? And so it's like when you do watch all of these all in a row, which mm -hmm. I've done a few times, you just kind of have to turn that part of your brain off a little bit. And I like, found oh, I we're not in 2015 now, we're in 2017. But the thing that happened in 2015 was a month ago. Yeah, I just <laughs> kind of assumed that they had their own timeline, that they weren't really yeah. in the current year, that they were just in the timeline of the story. The way that, you know, a lot of TV shows do that. I was just- Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I was just watching AP Bio because mm -hmm. I got I got access to- Peacock. That's on Peacock, not to Peacock, but to where it streams in Canada. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, I got I got a free trial of something called Stack TV, which uh, hey. runs off Amazon Prime, but it is, of course, an extra cost. So it it is now going into the rotation of things <laughs> that will come and go because I a refuse to pay for that many streaming services all at once and b <laughs> can't. Yeah. <laughs> like it's too much totally. of my budget. I want to do things other than watch the television screen. Um, why? But uh, because there's more to life than screens, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, so anyway, I, I, so AP Bio, uh, just it, its third season is the one I just finished watching. Okay. The first two, I believe, ran on television, and then it got saved by Peacock. So I had seen the first yeah. two. I had not seen season three. I just—it's it, really short. It's like eight episodes. Maybe okay. it's not over. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, it might, they might just be dropping an episode a week. I don't know. I think that's how Peacock works. So maybe more of it will come. I don't know. But my point is that that show has been on for like three years, but it all takes place in the same school year. Oh, <laughs> so you don't think about what year it is. Like, it's just yeah. it's still, we're still only a few months after the that's show started three yeah. years ago. And the MCU to me kind of works the same way. Like when, they yeah. don't really ever talk about what year it is very much. Mm -hmm. So if they tell me, if I'm watching, say, Infinity War, and they tell me that Age of Ultron just happened, I'm like, yeah, sure, okay, fine. And see, most of the time, it doesn't months. matter. It like, doesn't matter. The only time it really does matter is when you think of, like, the like the origin stories and, like, okay, mm -hmm. this person has been this version of themselves for how much time to become an expert at it? Because, like, mm. the Doctor Strange movie, he learns a lot about all of, you know, the mystic arts. Mm -hmm. How long did that take him to do that? There's no clear indication of, like, did he go and study in Kamataj for 12 weeks, for five years, for 45 minutes? But it like, doesn't matter. It doesn't like, super matter, but it is just, like, once you are trying to think of, like, 
how how fast do people become skilled at these things? Because the other problem with the Doctor Strange narrative originally <laughs> is the sort of like white savior thing of like a Western person goes to an Eastern location and becomes mm-hmm. way better at the thing they've been doing than they are. I'm not sure that's a white savior, but it's a problematic white guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's Does similar he save to anyone? like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I have not like, seen this movie. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Then yes. Yeah. Then yes. It's a white savior movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. I mean, I think thinking too much about the timeline might be a you thing. No, it's not just me. This is I'm in the fandom, and you are a casual. <laughs> yes. Fan. Okay. Let me put it that way. It's it's something that the hardcore fans do mm-hmm. that is maybe unnecessary. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and maybe not. It's a it's a me thing in this conversation. (laughs) Yes, but I mean, it's something I don't know. It's probably not intended by Marvel that people will do that. Well, yeah, and I think you're meant to infer. Once he's become an expert in his Doctor Strange standalone movie, we are to assume that he remains an expert. And the length of time that that movie encompasses, unless it has to do with any world events, like it's not really important. It's not super important, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many days Black Panther took place over. <laughs> no, like generally I, I speaking, know it that doesn't it matters. super matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. I think so. I guess what I'm saying is, I think I think that's something that people are thinking too hard about. That isn't sure. Yeah. That it, it's yeah. It, it's common common fan behavior. Yeah. Um, but it's also the sort of thing that if you've ever made a movie, you're like, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It took <laughs> as long it's as not. it takes. <laughs> Well, like, of course, there's a timeline, but Mm -hmm. it's not. I don't know that it is always necessarily to the day unless it's important that it takes place over a certain number of like, I can tell you. I I would agree with that. Yeah, I can tell you the exact timeline of Honestly, Charlotte. Sure. I was also in charge of my own wardrobe (laughs) (laughs) and costume changes matter when you're filming out of order. Absolutely. Um. And because that does take place in about six and a half days, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have to, yeah, you know? Um, and I think that, yeah, just because in, in most movies, just because you see an evening and a morning yeah. doesn't mean that that's the next day. No, that's a good point. Absolutely. There can, yeah. There can always be a time jump that is sometimes is uh, inferred by the viewer. Sometimes it's spelled out kind of in dialogue, like, yeah. Sometimes it'll look like the next day, but somebody mentions that that was two weeks ago and we just haven't seen those. Two. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, I think the timelines don't unless unless like this takes place on 9-11, you know, no, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I don't think it matters. Yeah. I think that the way that time informs a long running series like the MCU movies is when you have sort of like gaps in the storytelling. Mm-hmm. And so you'll have like, okay, these two characters appear together in movie 11 and not again mm-hmm. till movie 16. Like if they have not seen each other for since that other movie, how has their relationship changed? It's been 10 minutes since they saw each other. It's been 10 years since they right. last saw each other. And so there are, I think, character reasons why having some specificity in the timeline matters. And so but, when you get to like the big Avengers movies to say like, oh, you know, uh, Wanda and Vision, they've been, whatever the quote is, stealing these moments together for the last mm-hmm. two years. Like, okay, two years that's a specific amount of time. If they've yep. been dating in secret for two months, that's a different relationship. But we're told that two years. Exactly. Like, yeah. It, no, that's we're what told I'm saying. Is because it's important. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is when we're not told, it's because it's not important. No. Also, You're, I agree. Have they not seen each other 
or did just nothing interesting happen so we didn't see it <laughs> yeah right like that's the other rule of storytelling that they teach you in writing classes yeah. but not in watching classes we don't know <laughs> like they haven't appeared in a film together in this long yeah. But unless the films are exactly contiguous, like they end and begin at the same moment, mm -hmm. there are always gaps between the films. Yeah. We don't know that they haven't seen each other. They also all seem to have text and email and, you know, we don't yeah. know that they haven't communicated. We just haven't seen it. So, yeah, yeah I never, I, I guess I'm just not as, um, I don't know what word I'm looking for. But it just, it would never occur to me to be that, obsessive. like, well, obsessive, <laughs> but also to think about it that hard. Yeah. Like, you know, when if it's... I'm, if I'm watching a television series and they have a, a season finale and a season premiere, mm -hmm. it's usually clear whether we've had a time jump or not. Like, sure, yeah. basically either it's a two-parter or it's not. If it's not a two-parter, like if part two is not picking up directly I, from. A cliffhanger, yeah. Yeah. So. If, if it's not that, then I have to assume there's been some time, time like it might yeah. be a day. It might be four months, it, you know, but however much time that is, I have not been seeing these characters during this time. That doesn't mean they haven't in the world of the show seen each other. Totally. Right. Totally. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it's also not something that I would necessarily think about because any pertinent information will be told. Absolutely. Like, and I think if that's it's important the other... that these two people had dinner together, we'll know about it. Yeah. But the fact that we don't know about it should not necessarily be extrapolated to mean that they didn't. Mm -hmm. The character relationship doesn't necessarily cease between our windows sure. into it, yeah. I guess. No. Like they. So, yeah, but it would, I don't know. It would never occur to me to think about it, I guess is the thing. One. I think that's the other difference is that you have seen most of these movies at most twice. And I have mm -hmm. seen all of these movies at minimum four or five times. And yes. so just anytime you watch something multiple times, you experience it in a slightly different way. You notice sure. different aspects of it. You know, a particular performance jumps. Out. I mean, we, as we've talked about stuff on this yeah, show, sure. um, like multiple viewings makes you think about things differently. So, yes, I guess it would still never really occur to me to think much about what happens off screen. Fair enough. That's just not the way my brain works. Again, unless <laughs> it comes up and yeah. is important in some way. But then we're talking the example you gave of Wanda Envision is a perfect example. That's yeah. important. It's important that they're now in love. Yeah. And it's it's important that we know that. So they tell us that they have been sneaking yeah. whatever moments they could together for two years. Yeah. If that wasn't important, we wouldn't know. We only know because it it's important and because there's no movie about it and yeah. then they need to set that up so that it has a big impact on her when he dies yeah well and, and he then dies so they can twice. make one division yeah exactly. <laughs> right like yeah. there was also there was a reason beyond that right clearly mm -hmm. they were already planning to make the wandavision tv series well and, and that's a really interesting thing about sort of re-watching the movies is trying to like and Obviously, Kevin Feige, the Marvel Cinematic Universe showrunner, for lack of yeah. a better term, has talked about this specifically, but it's fun to, and again, as a fan who watches these over and over again, mm -hmm. it's fun to see, like, where are the specific explicit things that they planted to later pay off, mm -hmm. and where are the things that they just left theoretically open like well maybe we'll include that character somewhere down the line and then mm. they in fact are able to do it and so it's something like the wandavision series i don't i don't know for sure because i haven't seen much 
press about it, whether or not they were thinking when they wrote Infinity War, this will be good setup for that series we want to make. Or if after the movie, they thought, hey, you know, what would be good set up for a series is to take these two characters and make this XYZ series. Like, I don't know which direction that went, but I think it works equally well, regardless of what the real process actually was. Yeah, I don't know either. I tend to think, well, I don't know how much of this is direct adaptation of the comic books either. A lot of it is sort of inspired by, but not necessarily beat for beat. Like if they had that relationship in the comic books. They did, yeah. Okay, then regardless of whether you're going to make WandaVision, Mm -hmm. when he dies in the movie, like that needs to have an impact on her. So you have to tell the viewer. But it's either way that two years that, you know, we've been sort of half secretly in love for two years (laughs) Uh is set up because it needs to pay off with his death. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So they, we have, we have to know why she's so upset. We have to care. So they Mm -hmm. have to tell us. Yeah. If that wasn't going to happen, it wouldn't matter. Right. Well, there's another going back to a thing that just occurred to me uh going back to the hulk mm-hmm. uh there was supposed to be a slightly different arc for infinity war because the integrated hulk the professor green he's got a lot of yes. different names in the comic books that was supposed to happen at the end of the first movie not mm-hmm. at the beginning of the second movie okay. and when they were writing it they just like oh man there's too much going on in this movie we got to push this till the next one and Wait, so i thought the it, second at infinity war versus endgame Oh, okay. Okay. That's third and fourth though, isn't it? Because doesn't Age of Ultron. Yeah, but they're a two they're a two-parter. So they're sort of you know half of the same story. I was thinking of the Avengers movies and that's you're you're right. I was not specific enough. Thanks for for pointing that out. So between Infinity and Endgame, Mm -hmm. uh he was supposed to become Professor Hulk at the end of Infinity rather than at the beginning of Endgame. Gotcha. Okay. And so that's why I just, I find it really interesting that you have the like five-year time jump in Endgame and mm-hmm. then you meet Professor Green and like all yeah. of a sudden he's the best of all the worlds as he he's, proclaims. He and finally he's figured it out. <laughs> like these, I, I didn't notice this the first time, but these giant pancakes that he has, mm-hmm. he is making like sausage burritos with them on the fly. Yeah. Like he's taking and rolling up and it's just- I, He's really into the food in that movie. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Ruffalo he's seems to be having a real food. great time. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a whole little food subplot going all by himself there. When I love but, the idea that you've got just got this being who has presumably burning hundreds of thousands of calories well, that's a just day. It. He must need it. He's <laughs> figured out that if he's going to remain the big green guy, mm-hmm. he has to eat like the big green guy, not like yeah. the Mark Ruffalo-sized guy that he used to be. So you, you as a, a super Hulk fan going through these for yeah. the first time, Hulk with glasses, yes or no? Uh, I'll take him either way. I mean, I, I think he should take them off to fight. That's just good business. Sure. Um, that's just about not getting shards of glass in your eye. Um, yeah, I think no, a lot I'm of not, people have, I'm not like attracted to the Hulk. My oh no, I didn't mean to, it. um, I didn't mean to infer or imply professor Hulk is, is, uh, funny to me. Yeah. Like I like it's, delightful to see him like oh he has found clothes that fit and he's wearing <laughs> glasses and making I love his costume in that movie because you gotta figure food, everything's custom tiny food right? right like he's making regular size food like handing tacos to other people and mm-hmm. he can like hold them between his thumb and forefinger like they're miniature tacos but they're full-size tacos for the people yeah. and yet he's also making like hulk-sized food because mm-hmm. hulk's gotta eat man <laughs> hulk's gotta eat He's but I, several hundred pounds of muscle. <laughs> yeah. 
I just, I, his wardrobe is amazing. I was yeah. paying a lot more attention to it. Makes uh, you this rewatch. <laughs> I, I got to assume that it's like, cause the, the Avengers, all these characters are very public. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing that the, um, the Marvel um, characters going back into the comics have always had is mm-hmm. they like live in the real world. So I have to yes. assume that like, when you see those like nice thermal fleece zip ups, like did the mm-hmm. North face make those for him? Well, that's why I wonder or if Columbia, <laughs> Patagonia. So what I haven't figured out is how he goes to a store. Mm-hmm. he gets measured for this kind of stuff like no one no one has a measuring tape that fits the hulk well like, but presumably like <laughs> patagonia called him and was like we want to put our brand on you maybe like, he's got sponsorship yeah that's what i'm yeah. saying is send us your measurements and we'll yeah. you know we'll put you in our marketing like oh, we, our mean, stuff is good enough for the hulk like that's that sells itself we also though we've talked off mic about the magical pants loophole yep which is for for those listening who may not realize uh whenever the hulk transforms his all the rest of his clothes, his shoes, his shirt, everything else rips and busts off him. But magically, somehow, he always is still wearing pants. Now, often yep. his pants become sort of ripped shorts, cut offs, <laughs> cut offs, ripped Rip, offs, ripped offs. <laughs> yeah, but the important part of the pants, if you know what we're saying, uh-huh. uh, always stays, despite yep. the fact that like his waist clearly expands. And so he does, he he does have some magical clothing. Uh huh. Um, so perhaps he's figured that out as well. I don't know, but he's a, definitely yeah. he's got these magical pants. There's a bit of a runner of that in the Ed Norton movie where he's like trying to find sufficiently stretchy pants. Yes, and she comes back with a pair uh-huh. of purple pants for him, and he's like, "Purple pants? I don't think so." Yeah, like, dude, that's all you wear when you're the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Have you not read your own comic books? Yeah, have you not seen <laughs> that you are always in purple pants? Well, Even and... if your pants were not purple when you transformed, mm-hmm. now they're purple every time. In the the original Avengers, 2012 Avengers and in Ultron, I think he sometimes wears shades of gray or brown. Like they're not always explicitly purple, but they are sort of in that same area of the color. <laughs> yes, they are definitely. And the lighting will make them, you know, yeah. on the purple side. Like they're clearly playing with that because mm-hmm. yeah. the Hulk as a cartoon character was a green guy with purple pants. Mm-hmm. And when you bring that into live action, on the one hand, you still want him to be the green guy with the purple pants, but it's also kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Depending also on the era in which you're making this and what yeah. is in fashion and what will be noticed. Like in the 80s, it was not so insane for him to be running around in purple pants. Because regular humans did that. <laughs> they did. Yeah. Uh-huh. There was, uh, you know, there was a lot more uh, pink and purple in men's wardrobes back then. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the whole yuppie thing where like, Pastels. everybody was wearing pastels and yeah. and i remember very clearly there was a little boy in my class hello damien buntsma if you're out there um who had like a pink dress shirt and uh, that he wore on picture day and and whenever his mother wanted him to look nice yeah um and that like it was normal like no one really thought anything of a little boy in a pink shirt from what i recall so you know in that time like in the yeah. 80s cartoon times he could be in purple pants, but these days, pretty much nobody of any gender is wearing purple pants most of the time, unless you're like Billy Porter at an event. <laughs> um, that man knows how to dress. He can pull off a gown. He can pull off a suit. He can pull off all clothing Old. like no one I've ever seen. It's uh-huh. <laughs> amazing. More power to him. I wish we could all dress like him all the time. He looks fabulous all of the time um but most of us the mark ruffalos of the world if you will the marks ruffalo look a little sillier in purple pants 
Yeah. <laughs> and so, especially bright purple pants, like that's just not so much in fashion right now. So unless you're a Billy Porter-esque icon who can wear anything you want and look amazing, like we all know that maybe not Mark Ruffalo specifically, but the character he plays. Dr. Banner is not a fashion icon. Bruce Banner running around in bright purple pants would not be good. That would draw some attention. <laughs> yeah. And not, not in a, that guy looks fabulous way, but more of a like, that guy's pants don't really fit in a really bright kind of a way. <laughs> um, I actually did read something about um, the color of the Hulk, which was that originally he was gray in the comic Yes. Books. I know and that. Yeah, he was. Yeah, the way they printed it, it looked greenish. And so eventually they ended up changing the actual character design because yeah, fans thought he was green because it yeah. just came out that way in the books. It didn't work very well in the grayscale. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm glad he's green. It's pretty good. Although mm-hmm. uh, it's not surprising that he is sometimes confused with the Jolly Green Giant. Yeah, that was one of his uh, myriad nicknames as we... Yeah, <laughs> well, the, the Tony Jolly Stark green... had given out nicknames all the time. <laughs> Jolly Green Giant also only wears little pants and is driven by <laughs> rage people don't know that about him <laughs> yeah that's an uh, a little known fact about the jolly the jolly is sarcastic yeah it's like calling a big guy tiny yes if you don't but, eat your vegetables kids the jolly green giant will come for you he will hulk out mm-hmm. i mean he's already hulked out but he'll have hulk rage <laughs> <laughs> We got to call this the Hulk episode because I know that we're talking about all of the Avengers things, but I can't stop myself. I just love the Hulk. No, I, I had a little action figure too when I was a kid. I had I had a Hulk and I had a Batman. Weirdly, I think I got these at gas stations. I know I got Batman at the gas station because <laughs> I know this doesn't. I don't think this happens anymore. But back in the day, you must remember this. There would be things where like you go to the gas station and you mm-hmm. fill up to a certain amount and you get like a free glass or a free, there'd be some sort of promotion to get you to use this gas station. So you get like a yeah. free, a free beach tumbler or sometimes a free action figure. And one time I got a Batman where you squeezed his legs together and his little arms went. So it sure. looked like he was running very cute. And I think I might've gotten a Hulk that way too. I got a Hulk somehow. And I, I it feels yeah. like it was probably another gas station purchase. I don't know if that was a thing here. It, it may have oh, been, but not. I don't remember. I don't have any recollection of this firsthand, but I have heard yeah. tell of I don't remember gas stations like giving stuff out. Texaco or or could have just uh, been yeah, a company Shell or Petro Canada or like I don't know yeah. which company it was or if it was all of them. Um, but I do I remember like it, it was definitely an 80s thing of like toy giveaways at the gas station <laughs> you have to understand this was uh, a time when you know people thought healthy me- uh, happy meals were a reasonably healthy lunch option for their children and not my parents yeah. they knew they weren't but um you know like and, and that people bought the happy meal just for the toy and you got a toy at the gas station and you know there were cigarette machines in restaurants like it was <laughs> the 1900s were a crazy time kids the 80s were a different time um, so let's we put, didn't wear bike helmets. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's put a put a crown on our Hulk talk. Uh, yeah. Towards the end of Avengers Endgame, yes. he becomes the only guy who can save everybody. You mm-hmm. know, the radiation's mostly gamma. It's almost like I was yep. made for this. Mm-hmm. As a, as a Hulk fan, but also a person who has movies, presumably you were not actually worried for his safety oh, not so at all. my guess is you were just glad that he was going to play a major role in this important thing it's nice to watch the hulk save the world 
Yeah, I knew. Well, I did know. Uh, I guess we're going to spoil this, but it's these, none of these movies are new. Everything. You guys, I it's did, a podcast. I knew that Tony Stark was going to die. Yeah. I didn't know when or how exactly, but I knew, like yeah, I had read that's... enough to know that that was happening. Yeah. So I guess RDJ's out of a job. Um, <laughs> he had a good run. He'll, he'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be back in whatever flashback movies they choose to make to fill in those gaps in time that you're worried I know, about. Right. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's just, you know, I like when the Hulk gets to be a hero. Mm-hmm. And for once, it wasn't just by completely smashing everything. Yeah, like it you was know. it was a, a moment of like endurance and strength rather mm-hmm. than like the direct projection of power through violence. Yeah, although I do enjoy a good Hulk smash. There's yeah. just, there's something about it. I think, like you, you said earlier that he's the personification of just pure id. Yeah. And I, I do mean, think that's not that, my analysis. <laughs> no, but I, I think that that, I think that that probably is why a lot of people, including myself, enjoy him is he mm-hmm. does, he does things that we can't do and it's all fictional and mm-hmm. no real damage is done. I mean, listen, I'm sure the filming crew has to pick up a lot of crap afterward. Presumably but, set deck has but, their work cut out for them. Yeah, but there's no no real world damage to any of it. Yeah. But, you know, he can just, and some of it is CGI, you know, some of it's real and some of it is all on the computer. But yeah. he can smash down like an entire building or bring mm-hmm. down a helicopter or, and they're very careful in, in those first, couple of hulk movies where he does bring down helicopters and every time miraculously like the guys inside are okay like you see them pop out and they're like we're fine the copter's totaled but we're everybody's fine like they're very careful that no one actually gets hurt which is totally unrealistic but also allows you to enjoy the smashing my favorite version of that is in age of ultron the veronica fight with the um the hulkbuster iron man armor and there's a, a couple of three lines of dialogue where tony is trying to uh bury the hulk under a building and mm-hmm. so he scans the building and it says you know zero life signs detected i guess it's happening on a sunday and no one's working construction <laughs> i guess so and then he says how fast can we buy this building like there's <laughs> there's responsibility in yeah. the veronica armor like you have to mm-hmm. take this seriously and he does then subsequently bury him under a building but like I feel like Marvel has sort of gone out of their way in a lot of places to like limit civilian casualties and to make mm-hmm. collateral damage important to the characters. Yes. This, this is mainly a thing in the Captain America Civil War movie, but they just, from time to time, they do try to remind you that mm-hmm. these characters do give a shit. And that's what sort of separates them from your more callous Thunderbolt Ross types or, you know, Justin mm-hmm. Hammer types and the actual villains. Like they're the reason they're villains is because they don't care about collateral damage and saving lives. Yeah. Even, well, even in, in the Avengers in the Battle of New York, you see yeah. them making an effort to get civilians out of there, to not hurt anybody, to, yeah. you know, this is, it's very much like, this is between us and the invaders. It is not, like, we don't want civilian casualty. Yeah, and they, yeah. they mirror that moment um, at the beginning of Avengers Infinity War mm-hmm. uh, when Tony goes outside to confront, you know, the big donut spaceship, mm-hmm. and he says to his new AI, uh, evacuate everybody south of 41st Street and alert first responders. Yeah. Like, they're they're on it. Like, yeah. this, is, this is a crisis management team in addition to a kick-and-ass team. It does look like a donut, that spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> or a bagel. I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be sugary, but there's a bunch I, of them in different sizes and they are donut chips. I think it's more of a donut than a bagel because it has a bigger hole. Is that a thing? 
Bagels usually have smaller holes. Hmm. I don't know that I think of them that way, so I don't agree or disagree, but that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have to do a deep dive on this on a future episode. I guess so. Bagel, bagel versus donut. Bag it. <laughs> bagel versus donut. Well, there are donut holes. There aren't bagel holes. So perhaps that supports your argument. Yeah, they aren't. That's true. But also the joke that, Often, being that donut holes are not the holes from the donut. No, they're not. Um, <laughs> well, uh, sometimes they are because sometimes it depends on how the donut's made. Sometimes a hole is punched out of it. Seriously? Yes. I thought that was just like a no, fun I went, thing. I went, I went to a donut making place one time when I was a kid. I haven't had um, a donut. Like in, a blob of dough and then you can. In 20 years this it. year. Wow. I've, Senior I've had, year of high school. Wow. Mm -hmm. I have like one donut a year-ish, maybe one or two a year. It's cool. not a frequent food. And the older I get, the less sugar I want. Hmm. And not just in like, I'm trying to avoid sugar, but I, when you're, when I was a kid, I never understood people who were like, oh, that's too sweet. Yeah. Like, I how, still don't how understand anything that. be too sweet, but now I do. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that is so much sugar. I can't. Um, I've hit that point in my life or I hit that point a few years ago, but every once in a while, um, well, Timbits, which are what Americans would call donut holes sure. are, those are like a, a thing that if you're, if it's Friday and you on a whim, feel like doing something nice for your coworkers. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah. You, so this is a very Canadian thing to do is you go to Tim Hortons and get the big box of Timbits because even the big box is pretty cheap. And <laughs> now those Timbits, I don't think those are really holes from donuts. I think, I think that's yeah. probably how they started, but I, those come in all different flavors. And like, I think those are specially made as tiny donuts. Yeah. Um, and that's probably what it's progressed to. But there are sometimes when you, when they make donuts, depending on the donut, they do punch a hole in it. Oh, um, oh, well, there you go. But also to, for bagels, depending on how you cook the bagel, those sometimes are, yeah. the hole sort of closes in on itself a bit. The yeah. really big fluffy ones barely have a hole at all, but those aren't real bagels. <laughs> so <laughs> bagel gatekeeping. <laughs> eh, well, there's, you know, when bagels got mass produced, it changed a bit from like, look, I went to New York one time and I went to Zabar's and I had some real bagels. <laughs> and they were also, they, I mean, they were legitimately different. Like Montreal has its own style of bagels. Sure. Which are great. Um, in Vancouver, you can go to Siegel's bagels or Solly's bagels and they're two mm -hmm. different types. Like they're Two different ways of cooking one is boiled one is baked one. yeah um, both good but very different but then there were like basically just your bread bagels that pretty much every company makes and those are not bagels that's not <laughs> no no that is round bread with a hole in it <laughs> boiled and baked sorry dumpsters. <laughs> <sighs> all right so we have more hulk to look forward to uh hopefully soon because the She-Hulk live action series is coming to oh, Disney Plus, and he is confirmed to be in that. Uh, Two so, Hulks, a Lady Hulk and a Dude Hulk? A Gentleman Hulk, excuse me. Pardon me. <laughs> a Lady Hulk and a Gentleman Hulk. And a, and a Professor Hulk. <laughs> Excellent. Maybe we'll also get a non-binary Hulk. Hulking is for everyone. Hulking should be for everyone. So yeah, be. Tatiana Maslany as Jennifer Walters. Um, it's yeah, scheduled I'm into to be that. released in 2022 
and will be part of phase four. It is also going to feature, I'm not sure about starring, but mm -hmm. many people you and I both know and enjoy. So cool. Tatiana, Ruffalo, Tim Roth, mm -hmm. uh, Ginger Gonzaga, Renee Elise Goldsberry, and Jamila Jamil. Ooh, I like those last two. I don't so, know who the middle person was. Uh, Ginger? Yeah, I don't know. She's that a person. comic actress. You might recognize her face, but she's very skilled. Oh, okay. I, she funny. might she might be someone that I recognize, but don't know her name. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, Jabila and Renee, thumbs up. Hell yeah. Four Killer, thumbs up. Killer two, cast. Two thumbs for each. So four thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> and also two thumbs up for Tatiana, because all always nice thumbs. to see a Canadian. All the dozens of cloned <laughs> thumbs for Tatiana Maslani. Yes. I love that yeah. they're picking like just a really skilled, I mean, character actress to portray a role like this because I don't know that much about Walters and She-Hulk, but I think I just she's not the kind of actor I, that I would necessarily think. But neither is Ruffalo. And I mean, hulking so her up is going to be interesting. That's <laughs> sort of what I'm thinking. She's yeah. not a very big person. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I'm sure that there is a little bit of working out happening, and then. There's sure. mocap and CGI. Like they yeah. listen, if anyone can figure out how to play more than one version of a character, it's Tatiana Maslani. So oh fucking A. Like, yeah. Okay. I just I guess I would have expected to see in my like stupid mm -hmm. assumption making first pass of thought, mm -hmm. more of like a Ronda Rousey type of person. But that's yeah. not how they went with any of the casting in the 21st century of the male Hulk characters. So yeah, like, like look at they Ed went Norton. with really skilled character actors. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. What, yeah, what are we doing? I would say Eric Bana is probably the closest to being maybe, yeah, Hulky that they went with. Like Ed Norton is not. Mm -hmm. uh mark ruffalo isn't particularly yeah and you know, like none none of them are like bodybuilder types and yes you yeah. would the the easy thing to do would be to to cast like a bodybuilder type mm -hmm. a lou ferrigno if you will sure um, <laughs> because he's you know he's been vocal on social media i think all in good fun that you know yeah. back in his day that was all him and they just painted him green <laughs> yeah absolutely and he actually did he did voice work for I don't I just closed the window, but one of the first two Hulk movies, either two thousand three or two thousand eight. Uh, he, he was appears, the voice of the Hulk. Yes, he also appears in both of them in cameos. Also true, and yeah. one of them with Stan, I think, in the two thousand three. Yes, they were security guards at the university. Yes, they they have a very short, not even seen like a vignette together. Of, a walk like, and talk in passing. A walk and talk in passing. Yes, uh -huh. um, and he is. I mean, he he's a big guy. Yeah, right now. like he he's yeah. tall he's very built and then on top of that he did a lot of weightlifting. so mm -hmm. if you think about when that series was on mm -hmm. 70s and, and we didn't have special effects the way we do now like there nope. really wasn't an option for him to be cj you had to get like and he was not i read this he was not the original hulk they oh, really? shot a pilot with a different guy and then went another way oh cool um but they they needed a guy you just went and got sort of the biggest most muscular guy you could find mm -hmm. and then painted him green yeah and used whatever camera tricks you had to make other people and things look smaller that's what i was gonna say you know what you had in 70s you had forced perspective you had forced perspective <laughs> that was that the cgi kids. of its day that's right <laughs> you just put a wig and some green paint on a man and called him the hulk mm -hmm. and made everything and around him tiny <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, I think we should uh, smash this episode because I think so. we've been going for quite some time. I think we did smash this episode. 
Nailed it. Smashed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hulk smash. So please check out the things we're about to tell you about because you don't want to make us angry because you wouldn't <laughs> like us when we're angry. <laughs> God. So please go to ChristopherRoyce.com or say hi on Twitter, Chris M. Royce. Uh, you can go to steviejackson.ca or come and say hi on Twitter or Instagram at steviekj. You can follow the show at budswoboards. And don't make us angry. Go to buddieswithoutborders.tumblr.com. <laughs> Weird peppy threat voice. Um, da, 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 da. Go anger. to your podcatcher of choice and please leave us a five-star review. Um, and a, Well, a five-star rating and then a review. Write something nice, please. Or give us five stars and write something mean because we still get the five stars. Yeah. All yeah. the stars. All do, the stars like. all the time. Tell yeah. your friends, tell your enemies. Mm-hmm. If you're vaccinated, tell strangers on the street. If you're not, <laughs> get the vax. Please, please the get thing. vaccinated when you have the opportunity. I know uh, in, in Canada, you may still be waiting your turn, in which case, thank you for your patience. Um, we're getting close. So please go get it as soon as you can. If you're in the States, what's wrong with you? Just go get it. You guys, it's, it's more it's more of a free-for-all down there. You're not getting texted yeah. by the government with a specific invitation. <laughs> so. It's completely free. It's yep. harder to avoid than not. <laughs> like, come, come on, people. I will say very, very proud that Canada is now leading the world in vaccination rates. We went from being behind due to supply issues to now we have the highest percentage of vaccinated oh, that's people, great. at least with the first vaccine. And we're getting mm-hmm. there with the second um, yeah. So yeah, everybody, please keep getting vaccinated so that we can all have our lives back. Yeah. And uh, take care of yourselves and each other in general. Don't mm-hmm. have to just be vaccine related. <laughs> we, want, we want healthy listeners. Because <laughs> uh, we appreciate you so much for staying subscribed and sharing and listening to us have crazy rants about everything (laughs) so thanks very much and we'll talk to you next time Hulk smash